0: Let us pray. Lord God, Holy Ghost, who on this day boundlessly poured out upon the disciples your gifts of grace and miracles, equipping them to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature, open to us the fountains of your goodness and pour yourself out upon us also. We beseech you here for the one thing needful, enlighten and kindle within us the light of faith against the darkness that covers our souls. Awaken and fill us with the breath of your love against our dead and cold hearts. Give us the victory of Christ over our flesh, over the world, and over the devil. In his name, who promised your coming, we pray. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There are three great festivals in the Christian church. It begins with Christmas, when the Holy Spirit caused the Son of God to be conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. That infant grew and lived in the place of mankind, keeping the law perfectly, which, since Adam, we have failed to do. Then comes Easter, when in the Spirit Jesus rose from the dead, having died to pay for our sins. He proved that he accomplished all things for us, then ascended into heaven, and finally then sent the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to today, the third great festival, Pentecost. Everything Jesus won for us is brought to us now by the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on the church like oil. He comes to you in the Word of God, and connected to that Word, He comes in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. This is the essence of the church now, that we have faith given to us by the Holy Spirit the third person of our triune God. The text for our meditation, this Pentecost, is from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the rushing of a violent wind, came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw divided tongues that were like fire resting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages, since the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak fluently. Now there were godly Jewish men from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When this sound was heard, a crowd came together and was confused, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were completely baffled and said to each other, Look, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them speaking in his own native language? Parthians! Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and of Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring in our own languages the wonderful works of God. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the beginning of the world after it was renewed through the flood, the whole earth had one language and a single vocabulary. But this unity was abused by mankind so that they united themselves against the true God. Come, let's build a city for ourselves, they said, and a tower whose top reaches to the sky, and let's make a name for ourselves so that we will not be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Ever since Satan, that fiery serpent, deceived our first parents, mankind has not been interested in obeying God, but would instead prefer to be God. To preserve his promises of promise uh, and salvation, God confused the languages of those people at Babel, and he scattered them from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. But now, today, God reverses that miracle at Babel, having accomplished salvation in His Son. and As a result, even now, you can hear in your own language the wonderful works of God. It's the Holy Spirit's work coming in miracles of fire and wind and in the miracle of unconfusing the languages. We hear that the disciples were all together in one place. They stuck together a lot after Jesus' crucifixion. They'd spent three years together learning at the feet of Jesus, learning and receiving his blessings. When he was gone from them, they stayed close often because of their fear of the Jews. But then Jesus spent the next 40 days with them, a glorious fulfillment of the three previous years. Now, Jesus was able to give them peace after his ascension on that fortieth day about a hundred and twenty disciples remained gathering together and all of them kept praying together with one mind they were praying for jesus return and for him to fulfill his promises including this promise to send the comforter and now while they were together praying suddenly a sound like the rushing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting They saw divided tongues that were like fire resting on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, since the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak fluently. Focus on the fire and the wind for a moment. Both of these historically have been used by God to mark his presence. The fire did not burn the disciples, but instead it gave them voice. We can think of Moses when he came upon a bush that was on fire, but the bush was not burning up. The voice of God came to Moses from that fire, and the prophet received his commission to proclaim God's word to his people. In the same way, this fire on the heads of the disciples signified their mission to proclaim the gospel word to all nations. Isaiah received fire in a similar way. He saw the fiery beings surrounding the throne of God in his vision, and he tells what happened. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, carrying a glowing coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with the coal and said, Look, this has touched your lips, so your guilt is taken away and your sin is forgiven. And this enabled him to respond when the Lord called for a witness, Here I am, send me. Fire purifies. The suffering that Christians experience at the hands of the world, the devil, and our own sinful flesh is related to fire, so that the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold, which passes away even though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The prophet Zechariah foretold the division. This will take place in the whole land, declares the Lord. Two-thirds of those who remain in it will be cut off and perish. But one third will be left in it i will put that third into the fire and i will refine them as silver is refined and i will test them as gold is tested they will call on my name and i will answer them i will say this is my people and they will say the lord is my god a similar division is described in the first psalm on the one hand is the righteous who is like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaves do not wither. And on the other hand is the wicked, who are like the chaff which the wind blows away. The chaff, those worthless portions, the itchy, dusty parts of the plants, they are lost to the wind, or as Jesus describes it, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, is the one who bears much fruit because without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. The fire of God, therefore, and and all fire belongs to God. It's terrifying. His fire destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for their defiance against his justice, and a similar threat comes against those who sin, those who are cowardly, unbelieving, detestable, murderers adulterers sorcerers idolaters and all the liars will have their share in the lake burning with fire and sulfur which is the second death it is God's will that you would examine your heart examine your past consider whether any of these things has ever taken up residence in your heart remember that Jesus said murder is not just that physical act but even everyone who is angry with his brother without cause. Adultery is likewise not only the physical act, but even everyone who looks at a woman with lust. So consider truly how innocent you are. If we're honest, I can say this of myself too, my own sins cause great fear when I consider that lake of fire. Remember again that all fire belongs to God. The judgment, the salvation, and everything are in his control. Remember what happens to the three men named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, more commonly known by their Babylonian names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were bound in their coats, their pants, their turbans, and their other clothing, and they were thrown into the middle of the blazing, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was extremely hot, those men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the intense heat of the fire. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had been tied up, fell into the blazing fiery furnace. But the fire had no power over their bodies. Not a hair on their head was singed, their robes were not damaged, and the smell of fire had not stuck to them. So fire will blaze against you as a Christian, the fire of the world that seeks to destroy you, the fire of the devil whose poison has burned against us since the beginning, the fire of God's wrath against your own sin. But none of it will truly harm you. You will be hurt, you will feel the terror and the pain, but the fire stands over you only, to mark you, As one who is purified in Christ. The cup of God's wrath was poured out against him for your sins, so you will not perish in the fire. It comes to you because of the breath of God, his holy wind, the Holy Scripture which is God breathed. God's breath gave life into men in the beginning. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Ezekiel the prophet saw a vision of a valley of dry bones, the dead and displaced of his people. Through the word of God they were stitched back together and given new skin. And then finally God told him, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind that this is what the Lord God says. From the four winds come, O wind, and breathe into the slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Breath entered them, and they came back to life. The wind of God, the breath of God, delivers his people. At that foundational moment when Israel departed from Egypt to be truly marked as God's people, first of all, they were led by God's fire. They came to the Red Sea, which was an impassable barrier to their deliverance. But God came through. Moses stretched his hand over the sea, and all night long the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, And turned the sea into dry land. These two miracles of fire and wind, however, remind me of another occasion. When Elijah was despairing over God's presence and desired to save him and his people, he witnessed a sequence of miracles. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains and shattered rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a soft, whispering voice. The miracles accompanied God. They prepared the way for God, but they were never the focus. And neither on this Pentecost is the fire or the wind the focus of our devotion. They fulfilled Jesus' promise of the marks by which those disciples would know the coming of the Comforter, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Reflecting what John had prophesied earlier, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who comes after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So now we look instead at where God came to the people. He came in words the glorious message that you can hear in your own language. So study, therefore, the miracle of unconfusing the languages. Mankind built a false temple. Mankind has always built false temples, the first true temple. The place of worship where man and God could meet was in the Garden of Eden, there at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There the command of God could be observed by Adam. He could show his devotion to God and his love for God by standing with his wife before that tree and teaching how God had created them and gave them life and had even given them the opportunity here to show him how they loved him. But that temple was polluted. The crafty, poisonous serpent caused Eve and Adam to reject God and to set themselves up As objects for worship thus came the fall after God recreated the world through the flood the descendants of Adam repeated the same sin when they began constructing their tower that reached to the heavens what was the purpose of that tower was it a business center apartments a grand hotel no it was a temple to the magnificence of man As long as mankind all spoke the same language, they would constantly be indoctrinating one another in this cult of humanity, and their common creed and confession would ever be only belief in themselves. So God divided them. He mixed up their language so that they could not understand one another, and he scattered them over the whole earth. This led to the next stage in God's plan for salvation as he began rolling it out in time. Among all those scattered peoples, all who worshipped themselves and their invented gods, he selected one man and separated him. The Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country and away from your relatives and from your father's house and go to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You will be a blessing." I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who dishonors you. All of the families of the earth will be blessed in you. As all others rejected God and in so doing made themselves into the chaff that the wind blows away, Abraham was given roots and growth until he blossomed into a great and mighty tree culminating in the rod of Jesse, the king from David's line, the branch who was himself the tree, Jesus Christ. It was God's purpose as he told Abraham that in his descendant all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Now we see the fulfillment. When the disciples were given the power to speak the word so that any speaker of any language could hear, we see how there were gathered Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and of Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, in the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. And out of all those nations, all those families of the earth, that day about 3,000 people were added to the body of Christ. Those people, we should say, were not given the tongues of fire or the rushing wind. That promise had been fulfilled, but they were baptized. And this was the pattern in the mission work of the disciples from then on. The message was preached. Whole families were baptized. This was to fulfill more of Jesus' commands and promises. Therefore, go and gather disciples from all nations, he said, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. It was Jesus' purpose, and still is, that people receive this message of salvation freely and easily. And What is that message? The wonderful works of God in Christ are that Jesus lived a life perfectly free from sin, fulfilling all the demands of the law. He joined himself to our humanity in a way that could be seen, grasped, and understood, but More than that, he was born under the law in order to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. His perfect life is exchanged for our sinful life, proved by the fact that he put his flesh in our place in death on the cross. His blood, therefore, purchased your life, and he rose from the dead to prove that it was all paid and accomplished. Our minds and hearts are dead, as we've often said. Sin kills us, and we're sinful from our conception. So you and I are born dead. But faith saves, and faith comes from hearing the message. And the message comes through the word of Christ. And in addition, baptism now saves you. These things don't do so by convincing us and arguing the truth into us. It's so much simpler than that. The basic point is, we hear them declaring in our own languages the wonderful works of God. God's word, the power of his spirit, according to the promise of Jesus, brings you the life of Jesus. The same word God spoke at creation to make all things miraculously in six days is spoken to make you miraculously alive. Some have humorously wondered what language God spoke in creation. Hebrew, Indo-European, Norwegian, it doesn't matter. It was a language that his creation could understand. That's the point. God's desire for your salvation is so strong that he provides the message to you now in a language you can understand. So all his church, the body of Christ, is united together in common confession of the same truth. Because you are able to hear in your own language the wonderful works of God, you are able to hear how Jesus lived, died, and rose again for your salvation. And with all other Christians, you are united together by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, for evermore. Amen.